We'll take your Bibles tonight and go to 1 John chapter number 4 as we stand in honor of God's Word here this evening. And those of you that are guests, we've been in a, in a series in 1 John, but it's been, a, it's been a, a good while since we've actually been in 1 John with other things going on and some time of being away. So I thought we'd start our reading in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 19 to get a good run at it. And um, I've really enjoyed the effort of studying 1 John and how relevant and applicable uh, that it is uh, to our day and time. So we're going to see that again tonight. Last, last time that we were together, um, some of you were like in the second grade. And so it's been years, it feels like, since we've <laughs> been in 1 John. But um, we were talking about true and false alarms. And he was talking about how that our hearts, our hearts condemn us either because we're guilty of sin or because we have false guilt in the sense that we're not understanding the truth that we are forgiven and that our sins are gone. And so if there's an alarm going off, you need to figure out why it's going off. And truth will silence it either way, whether it's a false alarm. Sometimes the alarm goes off here at church and we're, you know, the fire alarm. Well, usually we just keep working. So, because we think it's a false alarm and the truth reveals that it was. And so we just continue working. Now, now if it was a true alarm, then we'd need to get out of here for sure. So either way, truth silences the alarms, but it's hard to keep operating if the alarm is going off. God wants us to have the assurance of our salvation, the forgiveness of sin. And it's hard and difficult to keep working and serving him if you don't have the assurance of forgiveness and of salvation. God wants you to be assured. That's what we're going to read about here as we get into it. So I hope that kind of helps you in short fashion to catch up to where we are. First John three 19. Let's just begin reading here. Here we go. And hereby we know, hereby we know that we are of the truth. There it is. And shall what? Assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, here's a benefit of this is answered prayer. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. All right, now let me just pause here one more time to say verse 23 in many ways captures everything that he said up to this point in one verse, because he's talking about uh, genuine versus false believers. That's what he's been dealing with. And so he's saying, here's a mark, here's an indication of true believers, genuine believers. This is, the, this is his commandment, verse 23, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And here's another uh, mark, authentication of a true believer and love one another. So believing what the Bible says about Jesus, about Christ, and loving one another as he gave us commandment. Verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. <laughs> Did you catch that? He dwelleth in him, God dwelleth in him, and he in God, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. There's assurance. By his spirit. All right, now, chapter four, verse one. So the mention of spirit caused him to say this. Verse one, chapter four. Beloved, believe not every spirit. S small s. Capital S, right? Capital S in chapter three, the last part, verse 24, referring to the spirit of God. But then he just, um, he pauses to say, now beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test, try the spirits, 
whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And those false prophets didn't cease in the days of John. They've continued on today. So we need to be, we need to take heed today because there are false prophets at work in our day and time. If you don't believe that, just turn on TBN. Verse two, hereby know ye the spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. He's not saying the Antichrist is in the world, but the spirit of the Antichrist is at work already in the world. I love verse four. Love it even more now that I've studied it in its context. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So they've gone out into the world, verse one. It's already in the world, verse three. Uh, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit. He's already talked about that in verse 24 of chapter three. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now notice verse five and six. Verse five, they, talking about the false prophets, they are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world, what? Heareth them. So they're of the world, they speak of the world, the world hears them. Verse six, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. They don't give audience to it. They're, if they're of God, they give audience to it. They hear us, not just audibly hearing them, but I think you understand accepting the message that's preached. They hear, he that is of God, they, they approve of it. They accept it. They hear us. He that is not of God heareth not us. And then he says this, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay. It's not an easy passage. I think a needful passage for sure. Um, and here's the title here tonight. You ready? Testing the influences in your life. Testing the influences. Everybody here, preachers, church, myself included, testing the influences of your life. And then this question to help us hopefully to get started. What does the approval of the audience say about the source of the message? What does the approval of the audience say about the source of the message. Did you get that? Okay, three did. That's wonderful. Fantastic. <laughs> what does the approval of the audience say about the source of the message? But primarily because he says beloved, and by the way, he's not, he's not in that verse speaking to preachers primarily or exclusively. He's saying, beloved, every believer here needs to test the influences that are in your life. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's get right to it here tonight. We've got a lot to cover, a lot to consider. I think it'll be a help if, if we'll tune in from the very beginning.
A few years ago, we were in a study on um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the charismatic move and the charismatic movement basically showing the fallacy of it. Um, in light of the message that I'm preaching here tonight, I want to say I don't agree with the position of this author regarding his view on the atonement because John MacArthur is wrong about the limited atonement. It's an unlimited atonement because Jesus died for all. But many of the things that John MacArthur had to say in Charismatic Chaos was rather helpful. And some of the people that he quoted there was rather helpful. And uh, one individual uh, by the last name of Bruner said this, the te- listen to this, very helpful. The test of anything calling itself Christian is not its significance or its success or its power. The test of anything calling itself Christian is not its significance, not its success, not its power, because just because they fill a basketball arena does not mean that truth is preached from that pulpit. It may be very large, it may be very prominent. He might have hair and a nice hair at that, and a cool smile. But that does not mean that he's passing the test of authentic biblical doctrine. And then the author went on to say this. Okay, let me, let me back up and say it, say it again. Take one more run at it here. The test of anything calling itself Christian is not its significance, not its success, not its power, though these make the test more imperative. The success, the power, the significance in man's eyes make the test all the more imperative. It makes it even more important that we would test it by right criteria. And then he says this, the test is truth. The test is truth. Many in our time, like in John's time, disregard the importance of doctrine and truth. They disregard it in saying it's not important. And as a result of that, you get some really whacked out stuff. I mean, if you read the charismatic chaos, you read uh, reports like this, a lady who had her flat tire healed. That's what she claimed. Now, okay, here's the deal. She's claiming it. How are you going to refute that? Man, my tire was flat but I laid hands on it and came back up. Then then another report uh, of a lady whose dog began to bark in an unknown bark. I mean, that's what she claims. It wasn't that she spoke in an unknown tongue. Her dog got to speaking in an unknown bark. Then uh, Jan Crouch reports that a pet chicken was raised to life in Costa Rica. Man, how are you going to validate that, right? So people can make all kinds of claims. And that's what John is saying. Listen, believe not every spirit. People can make all kinds of claims. Somebody could stand up here and say, thus say the Lord, when the Lord is nowhere near that. All kinds of claims can be made. And and even in our own lives, we can make all all kinds of claims. God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. Wait a minute. We better back it up by scripture. We better back it up by a walk with God. And so how do we know for sure? Well, how do you, how does it get to such ludicrous things such as a flat tire being healed or a dog barking in an unknown bark? Well, here's, here's how it gets there. No experience has to be tested by scripture. And if no, no experience has to be tested by scripture, then you can make up whatever you want to, to get people's following. So we understand that. And John is concerned about the spirit of truth and the spirit of 
error, the spirit of truth. That's what he mentioned in verse number six, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He's been dealing with false doctrine that is besetting the churches of that area, Asia Minor. And really here's what was going on. They were in a crisis. Like I think is happening in our day and time as well in churches across the land that are in many, in many ways in crisis, uh, whether it be a moral crisis or a doctrinal crisis, there's a lot that's going on. And so John is trying to assure these believers that have basically done this. They have, regardless of what's going on around them, they have stood by the stuff. They've stood by the truth. They could not afford, John is writing to them, he's, he's saying to them, you can't afford to believe just anything that you hear. Here's, here's what they needed. They needed discernment. That's what we need here tonight is discernment. 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 Why? Well, because there are a lot of cults today that deny the deity of Jesus Christ or the humanity of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of false doctrine that is out there today, most certainly. But also, I want to I broaden that, and I don't think it's doing any kind of injustice to the text to say, not only could we be wrongly influenced by cults, but also there's a lot of influencers out there that can influence us through social media and other means. In fact, there are social media influencers that don't have to leave the parents' basement to get paid for negative influence that they're having on the lives of anybody that'll subscribe to them. And then there's internet preachers that garner much more attention than they should just because they make sensational statements. Okay. So how do you get, how do you discern what is a godly influence in your life and what's an ungodly influence in your life? Because young people, I want to say to you here tonight that there's, there's all kinds of influences, obviously, in your life. Isn't that right? All kinds of influences in your life. Uh, there's young families here tonight, and there's all kinds of influences in your life, whether it be at work or whether it be through social media or through friends that you have. Hey, there's all kinds of influences right here at Southwest Baptist Church, uh, young people and adults alike. I mean, there's, there's influences in the real people's class. There's influences everywhere. And so what we've got to do is discern what's a good influence in my life, what's an influence of truth, and what would be an influence of error that would lead me down the wrong way, and how do I know the difference? How do I know uh, the difference? Let's just walk through the verse here and, and, and see what John is saying. He says, first of all, beloved, you can tell he cares about the people right there. He cares about them. And uh, he doesn't want to see their lives off track. And I think that's what I've enjoyed so much about preaching even through First John uh, Church is that I, I hear him say, beloved, and I think about you as well. And I think, dear God, please don't let some young life that's here tonight get carted off by worldly thinking and worldly influences. Young people that, and people that once, that were once, who were once in church faithfully, but now they're out. Beloved. It's plural. And so is the, the, uh, now, I'm sorry, the verb that's there, try, the verb try is also plural. So again, he's saying, listen, everybody here has responsibility. Sure. Beloved, you, so children that are here tonight, you need to think about who's influencing your life. And young people, you need to think about who's influencing your life. And Bible college students, you need to think about who's influencing your life. And college students, you need to think about, obviously, who's influencing your life. And so, listen, it is your responsibility to think about who is having an impact or an influence on your life. And preachers here tonight, listen, we're not exempt from this because there's all kinds of influences that are on our lives tonight that come across your desk or that come to your email or that, that come in the form of magazines or that come in the form of social media or another preacher or some book that you read. Listen, there's all kinds of influences on our lives. So other spirits were at work at the same time that the Holy Spirit was at work. And they were prone to accept uncritically all teaching that claimed to be inspired. And John says, beloved, believe not every spirit. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God. So listen, don't, don't believe everything you hear. There's got to be a criteria by which that you govern this or that you, you try this, test this, examine this, put it to the test. 
I want to encourage you here tonight and every time that you hear, whether it's uh, me as your pastor preaching from this pulpit or Brother Ted or, or any other preacher that stands here behind the, the sacred desk to try to preach the Word of God, then you make sure that what is preached here has first of all found its place in the Word of God itself. Amen. So important. Why does he refer to every, uh, believe not every spirit? That caught my attention when he says, uh, believe not every spirit. Why, why didn't he just say every person or every preacher? Well, because we understand from Paul's writings that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And that's in reference to Satan himself, the God of this world, little g. Daniel chapter 10 talks about the demonic beings that are behind world rulers. When you study it out, that's what is going on. I'm not saying in every case that, that there's a demonic being. I, I realize there's a ditch on both sides of that road, but, but nonetheless, Daniel makes very, very clear that the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, listen, that was, not just, that was not just those human rulers, but there were demonic beings behind those human rulers. And I think that helps to explain some of the atrocities that have taken place because of the Stalins and the Hitlers and, and the Mussolinis and others of the world. I mean, you gotta think about it, who's behind that? Well, it's certainly not God. In Ephesians, uh, Paul tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and, and the rulers of darkness and, and this world and, and how that demonic beings are behind the ideas and the thoughts that are going on in the world. In fact, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote this. Now the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And so John says, listen, you've got to try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Are we doing all right so far? Is this making sense? There are many false prophets that are gone out into the world. Deuteronomy chapter 13 talks about how that there would be false prophets in Moses' day. And he would say, listen, just because they come to you with a sign or some kind of a wonder, then don't believe, don't just take it at face, uh, face value there that they are a prophet sent from God, because it may very well be they are nowhere near what God wants in the world. And so that would be Deuteronomy. In fact, uh, Jeremiah 5 and verse 31, it says this, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests, the spiritual leaders of the day, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. What a sad commentary on the people of God in Jeremiah's day that they said to the prophets, hey, listen, don't tell us what God actually says. Won't you tell us what we want to hear? And the priests, the priest, uh, that, they, that they would bear rules by their means, and we just love it that way. Well, Paul said there'd come a time when they would have itching ears wanting to hear what, what they wanted to hear. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Jesus said later in Luke 21, that take heed and be not deceived because many will come in his name saying, I am Christ and, and, and the time draweth near. Man, end time prophets, dime a dozen. They're everywhere. And this is, they would say, follow my teaching. I mean, even recently there's been uh, people that have committed suicide following a cult leader. So this is, this is not anything that's of a time gone by. This is today that there are cult leaders and individuals that are adding things for necessary for salvation, subtracting things from who Jesus is, multiplying ideas that are foreign to the word of God and causing division within people's lives. Certainly. And they've got great zeal in doing so. In fact, they're out knocking doors a lot more than God's people are. I'll never forget, I was a RA and, and uh, had a group of freshmen. The whole floor was freshmen, and so they were given a devotion. And, and uh, one young man in his zeal, not a whole lot of knowledge, but a lot of zeal, said the Jehovah's Witnesses are out there winning people to Christ. Why aren't we? <laughs> and uh, he didn't quite think that all the way through. 
But we understood what he meant. They're out there knocking doors. They're using God's, listen, they're using God's means with the devil's message. And here we are with God's truth, not knocking doors, not making the effort. So anyways, that's what caused him to, to blast us with that. We helped him later, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I understood what he was saying. So but, but wait a minute, hang, I'm trying to tie into this text right here because I think it's so helpful to us because John is not speaking in generalities here in saying there are false prophets in the world just in general. But what he's been dealing with is that there were some that were among them that were no longer with them. They left those churches and now they were out there and they were trying to draw people away from, from those churches. Chapter 2, verse number 19, they went out from us because they, knew they were not of us. Because if they had been of us, then they would have continued with us. So he's dealing specifically with some of those that had left those doctrinal positions that they had said that they held to and they went out from them. They ceased fellowshipping with those churches and, and they went out from them. And really what they did is they cast, listen, they cast their lot with the unbelieving world. Well, they were unbelievers. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Look at, look at your Bible here and notice how many different times he talks about the world. Look at verse one of chapter four, into the world, they are gone out into the world. Uh, verse number three, the last part, they are already, the, the spirit of antichrist is already in the world. Verse number four, um, you've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is what? In the world. Verse number, um, verse number five, boy, it gets loaded up here. They're of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. We're not of them. We're of God. Those that know God, hear us. So you've got six different times that he references the world. So what is the criteria that John uses. Well, first of all, he's, he says this, that listen, if, if it is true doctrine, then they're going to have the right evaluation of who Jesus Christ is. Look at verse number two, and this is what he's been dealing with. So this is not anything new that he begins to address here. He says, listen, there are false prophets going out into the world. Does everybody understand that he's, he's still dealing with those that were once among them? And so now they're out there and, and there was this idea in their time, Gnosticism or something along those lines, where at least there was this thought that Jesus um, became the Christ at his baptism. Which would mean that he was not Christ when he was born. <clears throat> that he was not the Messiah, he was not the Christ uh, when he lived 30 years he was not the Christ as he grew up, but he became the Christ at his baptism. And then they said this, then they said that he ceased being the Christ prior to his death. And so the Christ left his body at his death. There's one good word for that, heresy. Heresy, that's not right. Because when Jesus came, he was 100% God and he became 100% man. Christ Jesus. And so John, John is saying, listen, hereby we know in verse number two, let me, let me get your, your attention there. Hereby know ye that the spirit of God, here's, here's how you know the spirit of God is involved in this. The spirit of God is always going to honor the son of God. He can't do otherwise. The spirit, by the way, the spirit of God is not going to call undue attention to himself. The whole charismatic movement is off because it's the Holy Spirit, they say, calling attention to himself. No, the Holy Spirit of God is always there to point attention to Jesus Christ. And the spirit of God is going to say, he is the Christ from the very beginning. In fact, there never has been a time when he has not been the son of God. He is eternally the son of God. He has always been the Christ. And so John says, listen, here's how you can tell the source of where this is coming from. How do they evaluate Jesus Christ? Do they exalt him to be who he really is or do they demote him? 
To say that he became the Christ in his baptism takes away from who Jesus is. We're not here, listen, we're not here, beloved, to take away from who Jesus is. We are here to exalt who Jesus is. So as we think about the influences on our lives, you've got to think about this. Does that influence exalt Jesus Christ or demote? Let me say that with my whole voice. <laughs> demote Jesus Christ. Does it exalt him or does it demote him? Does it make him, make people know exactly who he is or does it kind of bring him down to our level? Because listen, if, if it was the case that he became the Christ at his baptism and he ceased to be the Christ at, as, at the cross, then he died as a mere man and thus his atonement was not sufficient for us because it'd just be like one of us dying. But listen, dear friend, he did not die as a mere man. He didn't die like we die. He died as God, very God, and man, very man, and all the cults that deny that are off. I'm glad to be a part of, of, of a movement in a Baptist church that exalts who Jesus Christ is and not demotes who he is. Does it, does it, how does it evaluate Jesus Christ, the influences on your life? Now, we're going to begin to apply this here in a little bit. We're just kind of building a platform. We've got to build it before we move on. How does it treat Jesus? So look what John says in verse 2. Are we getting kind of warmed up now? I think I, I am, at least. If you're not, then I am. Verse 2. Hereby know we the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, that, that, that right there, you've got to confess that Jesus is Christ. That, that's by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God's going to show you that. The Spirit of God will show you that He is indeed the Messiah and that He is also come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. It's not like Christ came into Jesus in the flesh, but Christ Jesus came into the flesh. Huge difference. How does it value Jesus Christ. Does that influence, I want you to think about this here tonight before we move on. Does the influence in your life exalt Jesus Christ? And then think about what kind of influence we're being too. In terms of how we are exalting Jesus Christ, making much of him, or are we somehow drawing attention away from him to ourselves? So he says that if it denies the humanity of Jesus Christ or the deity of Jesus Christ, certainly would play into that as well when you take into account who Christ is. Uh, because my Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my, at, at my right hand till I make thine enemies my footstool. So it's obvious that the Messiah is none other than God himself. And the Pharisees didn't get that, but Jesus did. And so John says, though, he goes on to say, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, the one that's working against Christ. So wait a minute, the, 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 if it's Antichrist and it's in that spirit that's in the world, he says that spirit is in the world even now, then even to this very day, there is a system of the world, a world system that is diabolically opposed to the things of Christ, opposed to who Christ is and opposed to what Christ's will is for your life. There is the spirit of Antichrist that is working in our lives even right now in our society, I mean, and wanting to cause you not to follow Christ with your life. That spirit of Antichrist is at work right now. Right now. It's not like it's coming in the tribulation time. It'll be totally unrestrained in the tribulation time. But right now it is at work, though restrained. Okay. First John, uh, where are we at? Let me get back there with you. He says this. Oh man, what this is awesome. Verse number four though. But he says this, you're of God. You're of God. You're of God, little children, and have overcome. The word is where we get Nike from, but it's even better than Nike. It's, it's that you've prevailed. You've overcome. You've not succumbed to this. You've not bought into their lie. Amen. You've overcome them, but wait a minute, it was not because of their skill. It was not because of their intellect. It was not because of their much learning. It was not because of their Bible college degree. It was not because of their master's degree. It was not because of their doctoral degree. It was because of this, the Spirit of God was living in them. So I'm saying to you tonight, listen, you don't have to go to Bible college to be right doctrinally. You just need to be indwelt by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God will help you. And I just want to help everybody here tonight. Don't be intimidated by those that claim to be scholars. Amen. 
that have letters behind their name and they graduated cum laude or summa cum laude or they graduated laude dotty everybody. It doesn't really matter what their credentials seem to be because I tell you what, I'll take somebody, I'll take a lady here that's in her 80s that's never spoke a word of Greek or Hebrew that knows Jesus and walks with him every day and the spirit of God is within her. I'd take her and put her up against the most reformed Calvinist there ever was that knows all kinds of, of doctrinal statements and all kinds of languages and he's written all kinds of books. I, I would take her up against him any day because in her is dwelling the spirit of God that can use the simple verse like John 3, 16 to show that you are totally off your rocker, sonny. Amen. To say that Jesus only died for a certain group of people, ha! she might say, no, Sonny, he died for all because all are in sin and he died for all people. Therefore, all people can be saved. Amen. Don't get intimidated. Don't get intimidated by those that hold to a pre-wrath position of the rapture or a, or a mid-trib position of the rapture or a post-trib position of the rapture and they teach at Dallas or they teach at Southwestern or they teach wherever, where, wherever they may be and they hold to that position because them holding that position won't hold when the pre-tribulational rapture takes place. Amen. I'm just saying, we, we don't have to be intimidated because the Spirit of God lives within us. And by the way, it's not us keeping ourselves in this way. It's the Spirit of God working within us and us participating with Him and being concerned about what we read and concerned about what we listen to and concerned about the podcast that influence our thinking and concerned about the preaching that influences our thinking because there's a whole lot of winds of doctrine that's floating around out there and without the Spirit of God, we all get lost. But with the Spirit of God, we know what to believe about Jesus and about His atonement and about His coming and about His person. Is this making sense, young people? Because you're, you're going you're gonna to get bombarded by people that are going to tell you you're absolutely ludicrous to be in church on a Wednesday night. And plus, after that, go to camp all week and pay money, like pay money for somebody to yell and scream at you and sweat at you. Is that a verb, sweat at you? I don't know. But anyways, you're, you're going to have people that are going to think that, man, you're wasting your life. Hey, listen, you know Jesus and the Spirit of God is living within you. You are not wasting your life. Amen. You're not. He is who the Bible declares him to be. And you ought to analyze the influences in your life based on how they evaluate Jesus, how they evaluate Jesus. And then this secondly, how they are endorsed by the world. Because if the world endorses that message, evidently that is a worldly message. And if it is a godly message and godly people are saying amen and that's right, then evidently that source of that is a godly message. You can tell a whole lot about the source by who receives it. Look at verse five and six. Everybody still doing all right? Verse five and six, look at it. This is amazing. I never really slowed down enough to really take this in. But he says this, they that are of the world, they are of the world, therefore they speak they of the world. That's their source. They left sound doctrine. The only thing you're left with, left with is the world's ideas. And if you leave behind, thus saith the Lord, then it's got to be, thus saith me. And thus saith us. And, and this, and this, let's find out what the world wants, because if they're antagonistic to our message, we want them to accept us, because we're surely cool. Thou art surely not. <laughs> but they're of the world, and thus they have the world's message, and the world hears them. Okay, now wait a minute. Oh man, this is so helpful. If the world accepts it, if the world accepts it, and they say, oh man, that is so good and it's got no ounce of conviction in it yes. and no ounce of Bible preaching in it and, and no, no ounce of doctrinal teaching in it, but it's all just fluffy yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's all just without substance. Are you following what I'm saying here? And it's, it's palatable, palatable to the world and the world likes it. Jesus said, they're not gonna like your message. So if the world 
is okay with your message, evidently, God is not. But if God's people are in favor of your message, God is, and the world is not. It really works that way. They are the world. Therefore, speak they of the world, and the world gives them audience. So you see some mega church growing by leaps and bounds. And it, they don't, it doesn't matter to them who they baptize. They're rocking out. They're trendy. They, they don't preach the gospel, but they're popular in town. And they're growing by leaps and bounds. They're of the world. They speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are not of the world. What, look at verse 6 now. Come on. I, 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 saw, I, I just actually saw the landing strip. Not that we're going down right now, but I just, I just saw it. Verse 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and of error. He's basically saying this. The spirit of God has never been known to accommodate a sinful desire of the world that's around us. I'm not saying that we need to try to be offensive to the world intentionally. That's totally wrong to have a bad spirit and bad attitude and, and just not like people. No, if you're, if you're a pastor, I think we ought to like people. I don't think we ought to have a bad attitude and come across mean and mad, but, but neither should we be spineless and neither should we be at a place where we're not taking a stand for what the Word of God says and where we're not at a place where we're trying to accommodate what the world wants to try to get a crowd. Because the acceptance or the approval of the audience says a lot about the source of the message. It says a lot about whether or not it exalts Christ and if it has the endorsement of the world. The approval of the audience says a lot about the source of the message. Okay, so I thought about it this way. I thought about, I thought about this. You go, you go to a Republican convention. I'm not necessarily recommending well, it. I'm not necessarily not recommending it. You go to a Democratic convention. Okay, I, I've got more to say there, but... You go to a Republican convention, here's what you're going to hear. You're going to have people, hopefully, hopefully, taking a stand for life. And you're going to hear people taking a stand for traditional marriage. Hopefully, that's what you're going to hear. And you're going to see people maybe even standing and saying they approve. And the acceptance of the audience has something to say about the source of the message. Because if some democratic-minded, liberal-thinking individual got up in that Republican convention and made a bunch of statements, I'd hope Republicans would not say, that's our man. I hope we'd recognize that's not him. Does that make sense? The acceptance of the audience says something about the source of the message. You go to a rock concert and you're going to see people rocking out. Obviously, right? And you're going to see dark t-shirts with messages on there like Slayer and Guns N' Roses. And you're going to see people up on the platform that are really old that ought to be off. <laughs> and the acceptance of the messages out there says something about the source of the messages up here. You go into a stadium and you see a bunch of people wearing cheese on their head. I mean, wearing cheese, a block of cheese on their head. And you see them wearing green and yellow and white. And you hear, see them yelling every time that that certain team with the same colors makes a touchdown. Then, then what's your, you just walk into Green Bay. Bunch of cheese heads. And so the approval of the audience says something about the source of the message. Same thing here. The acceptance of the audience says something about the source of the message. And if, if we are going about this in a way that is worldly, what kind of crowd, beloved, will we get? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to say that if we adapt our message or we adapt our style or we adapt our methodologies and all those things to try to draw in a worldly-minded crowd, what kind of message do you think we're going to have to use for bait? So we got to evaluate our influences. 
That's exactly what John is saying there. He was dealing with a society of people, a group of people that were loose on sin and it was just getting looser by the, time, by the day. And he's saying to these beloved people that he loves so dearly, listen, don't get sucked into, don't get drawn into that vortex of an ungodliness that'll just draw you away from the congregation that loves the Lord, loves his word. You're going to have to make some decisions about who or what is influencing your life. I had to make some decisions. I was in Missouri, started to pastor. 22, somewhere right in there. And I thought, well, I'll go to some preacher's meetings. And I did. And in those preacher's meetings, um, I mean, this is a day and time where things were kind of shifting and there were guys getting up that weren't going to start a Baptist church. It was such and such church. Rock church, stone church, stoned church, <laughs> the river, the flood, the wadi, the creek, the pebble, on and on it went. They weren't Baptist. And I thought, man, this is, this is not, this is not the group of men that I want to influence my thinking. Does that make sense? Many of them were people that I went to school with. Many of them were professors. Many of them were friends. And still I can be friendly to them. But I had to make a decision about who is influencing my thinking about the Bible and whether we have it or not. And whether Jesus really died for all people or not. And whether being a Baptist really mattered or not. I had to make some decisions about that because I had to make some decisions about the influences that were on my life. And so when I evaluated it, basically not knowing the terminology that I'm using here tonight, but it basically came back down to this. I want to be among people that exalt who Jesus is and that does not seek the endorsement of the world. Because in the text, you're basically thinking about three things, the message, the messenger, and the audience. The message, the messenger, and the audience. You know, I wish, I wish King Ahab, I, sorry, I wish King Jehoshaphat had thought about that. Think about the message, think about the messenger, and think about the audience. Think about the message, um, go up and prosper, said the prophets of Baal. Think about the messenger, the prophets of Baal. Think about the message, think about the friendship. That was not a good influence in Jehoshaphat's life. Think content, think messenger, think audience. But if you run it through and do it in a positive way, think about Elisha, called upon by Elijah. Now you've got a, a different message entirely because he would preach on that Mount Carmel. Choose you whose side you're on, basically. And, and, and fire fell from heaven. So you've got the messenger, the message, and you've got the audience. Elisha said, I want in that group right there. You've got to make that choice about what church you go to. Young people, you've got to make that choice about what friends you have. Uh, those of you at, at your workplace, you've got to make a choice about what, what friendships are, are going to affect your life there. And you've got to think about the person and think about their message and think about the audience. Because it's going to have an influence on your life. Young men, think about who you're going to marry. You think about what her message of her life says. Think about, uh, about who's accepting her as their audience. Does it still work right there? To think about the influence of being a young man or young lady's life. You can't make the criteria. Well, he's got a bunch of likes on social media. He'll live the rest of his life in his parents' basement. You don't need to rescue him. You follow me? Yeah, but he's showing me all kinds of attention. Well, listen, the Lord, here's the thing to ask. Here's the thing to ask. You ready? Does he exalt who Jesus is? And do they seek the endorsement of the world? Think about your friends. Do they exalt who Jesus is? Do they seek the endorsement of the world? 
Think about the people that are influencing you at work right now. Do they exalt who Jesus is? Do they influence, do they seek the endorsement of the world? Okay, how about music? Does the music that you're listening to, I've got to go there. You think, oh man, great, here we go. No, for real. We got to think about this because yes, it's summer break, but that doesn't mean a break from righteousness. Does the music that you're listening to, please, please consider this sincerely. Does the music that you're listening to, sir, ma'am, uh, whether it's country, rock, rap, or, or whatever genre it is, does, I mean, I just, I just typed in top music of the day, and I, I, I can't even mention some of the names of those songs. Do they exalt who Jesus is, and do, do they seek the endorsement of the world? Well, Taylor Swift certainly does seek the endorsement of the world and does not seek to exalt Jesus Christ. That was an easy one. But you take that and run it the gamut of it, whether it's movies or music or, or novels that you read here during your summer break, whatever it is, listen, you've got to think about what kind of influence it's having on your life and does it exalt Jesus' place in your life and, or does it cause you to want to have the endorsement and the approval and the acceptance of the people that are around you in the world? Because that's where they got off. And we dare not say, it never happened to me. There were some here at this MRI a few years ago that are not here. Because it's easy to get away from the things that we've been taught to seek the approval of the world. But why would we want the approval of a world that's antagonistic to our Christ? It doesn't match. So I'm basically saying this. Let's keep exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's not seek the endorsement of a world that's against him. But rather, let's reach out to a world. Jesus came to call us out that he might send us back in to help them understand just how great he is. He's never once told us to go win the world to ourselves. We're to win the world to him. Not seeking their endorsement. The test of the influence on your life. What does the acceptance of the audience say about the source of the message? Let's stand together here tonight. Father, <clears throat> I think about what was going on in John's time, and it's no different than what's going on in ours. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to think about the influences, whether they are influences of so-called preachers, or whether they are the influences of the world that bombards us through the internet and our phones and advertisements, it's all about us. And I pray that as preachers, you would help us to speak from the viewpoint of the word, not the viewpoint of the world. And I pray that as listeners, dear God, you'd help us to listen Help us to listen from the viewpoint of the word, not the viewpoint of the world. Thank you that the spirit of God lives within us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we don't have to be discouraged. And we don't have to be dismayed, but God, we can be encouraged and fervent in spirit in serving you. I pray that you'd help us here tonight to consider very carefully the content of the messages that are coming our way and the source of those messages and how it's accepted by people that love you versus people that don't. In Jesus' name, amen.